We're getting more details tonight about the luxurious lifestyle excuse me, of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. The details coming from a ProPublica piece that shows at least 38 destination vacations, numerous flights on private planes, skybox tickets to sporting events, stays at luxury resorts, and a standing invitation to play at a high-end private golf club in Florida. According to ProPublica, Thomas isn't paying for any of it, and it all comes from these four billionaires. ProPublica estimates the value of all these gifts amounts to millions of dollars. Let's discuss this with Jessica Washington, a senior reporter at The Root, Jason Osborne, a Republican strategist, Joey Jackson, a CNN legal analyst, and Jay Michelson, a columnist for The Rolling Stone and a rabbi. We always leave that out. It's an it's important fine, it's extra. It's an important piece. All right, <laughs> Jay, I'm going to start with you. ProPublica has not identified any legal case uh, that has come before the court that Justice um, Thomas has had to you know, uh, make a decision on. Um, but when you look at this, should these be things that are gifts that the public knows about? Because there's another part of this, and that is optics. Sure. I mean, it is a crime that none of this is criminal. This is outrageous. Uh, but the real fault does lie with the Supreme Court, which has no rules governing a lot of this behavior other than disclosure rules, which Justice Thomas did violate. But you can be a junior civil servant and you can't accept any of these gifts. I, I clerked for a while for uh, then Judge Merrick Garland and he got a small, like a, a picture from, mm. from somebody and he immediately reported it and kind of freaked out a little bit that he didn't want to have any appearance of impropriety. And this, again, I don't think we, I don't, we don't know if there's a quid pro quo here where there was a particular case where Thomas ruled a, a certain way. Parenthetically, if the January 6th cases do go to the Supreme Court uh, around Trump, that would certainly, I would think, be grounds for recusal. But here, we don't have that smoking gun. But I don't think we need that smoking gun. With every other court in the country, there, there is a responsibility to avoid the appearance of impropriety. And the fact that the Supreme Court has no rules to govern itself, that's what's in, in just inconceivable. Yeah, a lot of people have a hard time wrapping their heads around it because of the rules for other federal judges and other judges and prosecutors. Um, Jason, today, 2024 presidential hopeful and governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, weighed in on this reporting about Justice Thomas. Here's what he had to say. Clearly, there's a concerted effort uh, to try to demonize Justices Thomas and Alito in particular. Um, you know, some of these liberal, like Ginsburg, she used to do different things. So if we want to come together and say, okay, maybe there should be these rules and everyone get on the same page, that's fine. But this is being used, I think, to attack Clarence. I think it's being used to attack uh, Justice Alito. And those are two justices that have served uh, with, with honor and with integrity. Is it basically a good political move right now for um, any of these GOP candidates to stand by Justice Thomas, no matter what it is that's sort of coming out. Well, absolutely. I mean, whether I agree with this or not, I mean, the facts of the case on this, but for Governor DeSantis to come out in support of Justice Thomas and Justice Alito, two figureheads of the movement, conservative movement for years on this, I think he has to. Standing by and saying nothing on it just lets the, you know, the continued politics of personal destruction move ahead. Right. And I do think there is something to be said about the fact that there is a lot of stories about Justice Thomas that have come out over the last several months. And and I'm not saying that what he's done is right, but optically, at least from a base perspective, a conservative Republican base perspective, it seems that it's very focused just on him and now Justice Alito as well. Jessica, I'm curious from you. Look, Clarence Thomas, like the other justice, has a lifetime job. 
I don't know anyone else in the country that has a job that is for a lifetime. When you decide to leave, you go, and that's a decision that you make. But otherwise, he makes somewhere around $300,000 a year, uh, which is the, the it's publicly out there. Um, so what are your thoughts on how people are responding to this and how this might affect the electorate when you consider all of this? Plus, you see all this money, hundreds of thousands of dollars in gifts, in flights, in vacations being handed to, to this justice. Yeah, I think people have been continuously losing faith in the courts, and some of it has been some of their decisions. But I also think you look at this, and the average person says his entire life, it appears, has been bankrolled by these billionaires. And I think that the average person sees that, and they say, you are supposed to be this paragon of virtue. That's what we think about the Supreme Court, or what we hope them to be. They decide on the most important issues of our time, ethical, political, moral. And so to see them taking all this money and not disclosing it, according to ProPublica's reporting, I do think people find that disturbing. All right. Joey Jackson, I'm not making you talk about this. I am moving on to another really big issue that happened today. Um, the Purdue case, where you have all this Oxycontin that went out into the public. Hundreds of thousands of people were, were killed, were addicted, and then died from it. Um, what has happened is the bankruptcy settlement has been blocked. And now the Supreme Court's going to look at this. What do you make of this? A lot of people upset that no one ever went to jail for this. Correct. But there was a settlement that they came to at some point. And a very big settlement, Sarah, right? It was very significant in the area of $6 billion, and it was approved by a judge. And the, the rub in it was this. Whenever lawyers settle in litigation, you want the settle to be, settlement to be final. You want, when you make a payout, for that to be it, for you to control the balance of your life to ensure that in the future no one comes after you. So now the family, I guess, what do they have, $12 billion? They said, this is what we're going to do. On behalf of the company, we're going to put up $6 billion. We're going to take it through bankruptcy courts, as they do with these, what they call mass torts, mass litigation, right? And of course, this was a major issue. So many people dying as a result of this opioid right. crisis, et cetera. So now you have this settlement, significant settlement. But here's the rub. While the company's on the hook for $6 billion, the immunity, and it's really protection from legal liability, would go to the individuals in mm. the family. Mm. And to the extent that they're not bankrupt, why should they get the benefit, right, in, of the bankruptcy protections? And so there's the issue where, where if you're not bankrupt, well, why are we going through bankruptcy court to immunize you from any future liability? So the issue really centers around, from a legal perspective, whether you can do that. And the outcome of that's going to be very significant for them and for other cases, Sarah, moving forward. Always in the Supreme Court rules, it has a much bigger footprint as to how Absolutely. it affects other cases. Jay, you know, the Sackler family uh, withdrew billions of dollars before this happened. I mean, how did the settlement even go forward when you when you know that that's still on the table, that they, they're not completely broke? No, not at all. And I think what's troubling, you know, maybe about this aspect of the settlement is we also don't know what possible misconduct they may have engaged in. You know, if you sit on the board of, a, of an organization or of a company, you know, you have certain limitations on your liability. That's why the corporate forum exists, but not for certain activities, you know, fraud and, you know, gross you know, negligence and so forth. But this is blanket immunity 
you know, covered all of that. And, you know, we pierce the corporate veil, as lawyers like to say, all the time when necessary. Uh, I think about the Supreme Court case of Hobby Lobby, where the religious beliefs of the closely held, you know, the family that held this closely held uh, company were imputed to the company. So now Hobby Lobby itself had religious beliefs. Whereas here, it's sort of the opposite of piercing the corporate veil. Now we're sort of putting all of the liability on the company, which is doing all this paying out, and not checking to see, not allowing possible litigation against individual uh, members of the Sackler family. And I think it is a very complicated, as Joey just said, it's a pretty complicated legal case, but sort of ethically and morally, the fact that we know that this family had had control of this corporation, it was, it was basically a family company, uh, and to just blanket immunize these folks. I will point out, you know, the victims, the, the organizations representing the yeah. victims of the Sacklers actually opposed this step because they want to get the money, right? right? Just as Joey said, they're like, and this will delay their getting their compensation. Uh, but I think you pointed to, you know, this real um, sense of injustice when the extremely wealthy family that controlled this corporation seems to be also getting off scot-free. I want to thank you all for being on this panel, even though I was the only S in a whole sea of J's. <laughs> I love to see your faces. But that stands show. for special. Oh, oh thank you, Joey. <laughs>